0: I know words, I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny the Gentile Profita, and I am by myself once again on the anniversary of that fateful day, 9-11, and that's exactly what I want to talk to you guys about today, because I do think it's important to sit back to take a minute and reflect on what happened that day and the ramifications of that event, So this may be another shorter episode out of me. I, I I never know how long I am going to rant on a topic, but pretty much only have that one topic on my mind today. So this may be a shorter episode than you guys are used to. If that's something you like, well, you're welcome, if not. Well, you can go back and listen to some of my prior episodes if you haven't already, if you're starving for content, but I will try to get a bonus episode out to you guys. I know it's, um, I've been meaning to get another episode out for a while now, and um, I've just been been really busy the last couple weeks, and you know, my my sister is getting married this weekend, so I'm probably not going to have time, much time over the next few days, so bear with me. I will start to crank some more episodes out. Um, I have a lot of things that I want to talk about. I just haven't had time to sit down and record my thoughts. But anyways, 9-11 was an inside job. (laughs) I'm just kidding. In all seriousness, I do think it's important to take a minute once a year and reflect on what took place on 9-11 and, and the effects that it's had on our daily lives. You know, I, th- I think like just about every American, when the anniversary of 9-11 comes around every year, I can't help but think about what happened on that fateful day. You know, I was a junior in high school at the time, so I am old enough to remember it pretty well. It was most definitely my generation's Kennedy moment, you know, you always hear your parents, I know my parents would always talk about where they were or what they were doing when they heard that John F. Kennedy had been assassinated. Well, my generation will always remember where they were or what they were doing when the first tower was hit. And all the the chaos that that took place, all the uncertainty and all the tragedy that followed. Um, you know, it was early in the morning. I, I was on my way to school. You know, I would, um, the way, way my high school worked, there was no real parking on campus, so a lot of, a lot of people would pay homeowners that lived around the school hundreds of dollars a month to park in their driveways. And so me and a, a few of my buddies that, that, that all lived, you know, within a block or two of each other, we would all take turns carpooling and we would split the cost of the parking space. So I was, I was going to pick, pick up my friend um, to head to school. And I'll never forget because he, he comes out and, and the tower had just been hit. And, and he gets into the car and he, he, he says to me, he's a like, just flew a plane into the World Trade Center. And, uh, and, you know, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, how do you know it was a terrorist? And he goes, well, you know, p- there's no, no chance a pilot flies a plane into a building. They're, they're, they're trained not if they're going down, they're not going to go down and, and crash into a building. They're going they're going to. You know, they're trained to at least get the plane somewhere away from as much civilization as possible. So it was clearly a deliberate thing. And by the time we had gotten to school, I don't think the second tower had gone down yet. And, you know, you have that advisory period where it was the most worthless 30 minutes of your of your life where you just sit in a room with the same people every morning for no goddamn reason. But I, I nobody there had heard had heard the news by the time I had gotten to school, so I'd let everybody there know that a plane had just flown into the the World Trade Center. And and then of course, you know, as the news got out, every oh, every TV in the school was on and people were watching watching the news coverage and trying to figure out what the hell was going on. It was a very chaotic day. Um and some teachers still held class. <laughs> I know. My my physics teacher made a point of of keep of, of not changing class at all. A lot of a lot of teachers canceled class and you you know, you'd sit in the in the rotunda or something like that and watch the news coverage with everybody else. But Anyway, so, you know, you will undoubtedly be bombarded with memorial news coverage of the events, you know, first-hand accounts of all the destruction, the patriotic propaganda, you know, salute to the firefighters and the police and all the first responders. And, and no doubt, it is important to take a moment and remember and reflect on what transpired that day. But the whole campaign of never forget, you know, the slogan of 9/11 is really what I want to talk about today. Because the the lessons of 9/11 tend to either be forgotten by most people or never really understood in the first place. I feel like the the never forget is used as a tool of the state to garner support for all their military interventions around the world. They use it to reinvigorate their war efforts, to fan the dying embers of the longest wars in American history so that the military-industrial complex can keep their party going. They use the event to stoke fear in Americans of terrorist attacks to justify all the horrible things we've been doing over in the middle east to justify endless war endless expansion of the empire the lessons of 911 are not what you've been taught to believe and they are certainly not what you hear coming from politicians grandstanding coming unless that politician is Ron Paul talking about blowback um the the lesson of 9-11 is not that terrorism is this threat that we need to somehow defeat, you know, that we can defeat terrorism if we somehow just government harder, as so many um, politicians would have you believe, that, you know, that there are these rebel groups over there in the Middle East, and all these neocons and all these war hawks make them out to be the biggest threat to our civilization ever, you know, or that they hate us for our freedom. <laughs> yeah, we uh, you hear all this, yeah, this, all this nonsense that 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 politicians were talking about in the wake of nine eleven. You know, we have to fight them over there so they don't attack us over here. You still hear that today, believe it or not? Or if we don't fight them. You know, if we don't go over there and intervene, we could, we're inviting another 9-11 type attack here. Your very freedoms are at stake. You know, we're fighting for your freedom. It's all a bunch of bullshit. All a bunch of bullshit. L- listen, 9-11 was an anomaly, okay? These terrorist groups cannot hurt us over here not not in the way that they want to I should say like our freedom is not at stake over here because of terrorists they don't have fighter jets they don't have aircraft carriers or standing armies or any military capabilities whatsoever okay all they can do is try and drag us into a conflict over there because that's the only way that they can hopefully do something to us they can't get to us over here yeah they could they could Here and there, there could be a terrorist attack. But the threats to our freedom come from within. They come from our government's reaction to the terrorist attack. That's the threat to your freedom. The lesson of 9-11 is not that bad people can and will do bad things unless we have this strong military presence around the world and a strong surveillance presence here at home. To prevent them, The real lessons of 9-11 are the things that go on that politicians don't talk about, like the fact that every single one of our so-called enemies in the Middle East, every one of them, every terrorist organization that the Warhawks want to go after, were funded and armed by the United States. All of them. All of them. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this. We funded an armed Al Qaeda. We we did the same thing with ISIS. We did the same thing with Saddam Hussein, with Mubarak in Egypt, with Gaddafi in Libya, with Assad in Syria. The list goes on and on and on. Al Qaeda is obviously the best example that we never learned from, because we were funding a young Osama bin Laden who had next to no following, even according to our own CIA. He only had a few dozen people following him. So we, we end up giving him a bunch of money and a bunch of weapons, and that young freedom fighter, Osama bin Laden, turned his couple dozen followers into what became Al-Qaeda, the group responsible for the day that we're memorializing today. The lesson of 9-11, as Dave Smith so aptly puts it in the intro to his Part of the Problem podcast, is to never fund a young rebel group in this part of the world again. Don't give them any more weapons, don't give them any more money because it will always come back to bite you. But of course, you know, as I just went over, we continue to do that. We continue to make the same mistakes over and over again and nobody no Americans seem to really care. Yeah, we can hope. We can hope that with John Bolton being ousted that US foreign policy will change, but it won't. It won't. Not until the culture changes drastically. We are far more concerned with meaningless crap than we are with endless war. You know, offensive tweets, microaggressions, misgendering, white nationalism, whether or not a peanut butter jelly sandwich is racist. We're much more concerned with that stuff than we are with arming rebel groups Bombing third world countries and the longest wars in American history, and that's the way they want it. That's what the empire wants. As long as you guys are fighting with each other over a bunch of stupid shit, like which transgender bathroom we're going, uh, which uh, which bathroom transgenders are going to use, they get to literally get away with murder and line their pockets in the process. I mean, they they continue to expand their power with government overreach in the name of safety. Think about everything that they did in the wake of 9-11. They took over airport security. They wiped out the remainder of the Bill of Rights with the Patriot Act. They inserted themselves even further into the banking industry than they already had with all the anti-money laundering uh, provisions of the Patriot Act and all these... um, they call them uh, KYC, know your customer banking rules. Do you guys realize? Do you, do you realize that they basically force banking institutions, brokerage firms, investment firms, all, all of them to spy on you? Literally, they are, they are told to spy on you, they spy on your banking activity and your investment activity. And if if they don't report any unusual things, you know, things that the government has deemed unusual, like deposits over ten thousand dollars or whatever, um, if they don't report that to the government, they face serious fines and consequences. Um, And you hear all these politicians, the Bernie Sanders of the world, Elizabeth Warrens, AOCs, lamenting the fact that the banks are too big. Like, well. the the steps that the government took in the wake of 9-11 under the veil of safety and security only served to make them bigger. Bigger, more powerful, and any competition to them practically impossible because of the cost of compliance. The ramifications of what the government did in the wake of 9-11 stretch into every aspect, every facet of your life. Your bank account, your investments, your travel, your communication, your privacy, everything. It's all its all been affected. All because we let them get away with it. All because we allowed them to take advantage of a crisis. Out of fear, out of misplaced patriotism. We completely destroyed one of the last vestiges of freedom on the planet. Which was the United States of America, and we did it to ourselves. We did something that you know, uh, a terrorist, Osama bin Laden, even full countries, standing armies, you know, China, Russia, they couldn't do it, but we did. We did it. This is one reason why I think it's so important to know and understand your history. If you listen to what Osama bin Laden said, what his plan was. We fell right into his trap. He actually said that he wanted to bankrupt America by drawing us into endless war in the Middle East, just like what, with, uh, just like what happened with the Soviets in Afghanistan, and forever change our way of life. Well, you know, mission accomplished. And trillions of dollars later, thousands of American lives lost, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives in the Middle East completely destroyed, we have a migrant crisis now all throughout Europe because of our military intervention abroad. We've done irrevocable damage, both here and abroad, all in the name of our so-called interests. But they're not our interests, are they? They're not, they're not our interests. They're not, you and I don't have interests over in Iraq or Afghanistan or Syria or Libya or Egypt or anything like that. We don't care about that stuff. That doesn't affect us. The average American can't even find Syria on a map. These are the government's interests. The interests of the military, industrial complex, whatever you want to call it, that's getting rich off this mess. It's that's, that's getting rich off this entire process. The government will always find a way. They will always find an interest in a foreign country to justify intervention. They don't like who's in power, so... Now we have an interest in regime change. It's all about, and it always has been about, what country or what group of people is going to play ball with our government. It's going to do what we want them to do. You know, Saudi Arabia, they're not that much different from, from any of these Middle Eastern countries. They, they do the same horrific things, but they're our oil partners, so we never seem to have a problem with them. Al Qaeda, ISIS, the Taliban, whatever, you know, they're not going to play ball. They're not going to do what we want them to do. Or they don't have something that we want. So of course, you know, they're going to be the they're going to be the enemy. And you know, ISIS is you know, the same lesson as Al Qaeda. If we hadn't funded those rebels, none of the weapons and none of the money would have gotten into their hands. And if we hadn't tried to orchestrate the overthrow of Assad in Syria, ISIS would have no power whatsoever. We cause all these problems. We do all this damage. So when they say never forget, it's not that we need to make sure that we never forget that 9-11 happened. It's that we don't forget the proper lessons from what transpired on that day. That we don't forget why it happened and what happened in the aftermath, both at home and, and overseas. Never forget how the government took advantage of us. How they stole the last vestiges of our freedoms. How they used it as an excuse to increase their power and authority. And insert themselves into every aspect of our lives. And never forget what we've done to the Middle East. And the ramifications of all that. Never forget that an ill-defined war on terror is simply an excuse for endless military intervention. And constant assertions of our government's power overseas. They did the same thing over there that they did over here, it's just that they can't bomb us into submission over here. They have to use legislation and the police state to enforce it. Over there, for some reason, we make exceptions because there are some lines drawn on a map, so bombing and mass murder to get their way is somehow acceptable. Make sure you never forget that these are illegal wars that Congress hasn't formally declared war since World War II. So that means that all the wars since then, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq War I, Iraq War II, Afghanistan, all these military interventions in Egypt, Syria, Libya, Yemen, and every other intervention that I failed to mention over the last 80 years or so, they're all illegal. It's all illegal. Okay, These are immoral wars, These are being done in your name. These are the types of things that breed terrorists, that create terrorists, that breed terrorism, that breed hatred for you and your family. You know, Ron Paul was right when he talked about blowback, when he embarrassed Giuliani. They they don't hate us because of our freedom. That's ridiculous, okay? They hate us because we're over there meddling in their affairs. It's so obvious it's so obvious what would you do what would you do if there was a a foreign military occupying your country walking around on your streets enforcing uh laws and curfews and stuff like that bombing you drone bombing your your churches your weddings or uh your schools your school buses by by accident of course you know they meant to get the bad guy over there but you know sometimes they hit the, they hit a bus collateral damage as they say right another wonderful government euphemism. It's just so obvious. Like, think back to that, think back to that fateful day, 18 years ago, okay? And, and think about what maybe your immediate reaction was, and if not you, certainly the majority of people around you. I know I was pissed off. I was angry. I, I, I was just a kid, but, you know, we had, we had been attacked. There, there was definitely a part of me that wanted revenge, They wanted to go over there, even though I didn't know where over there was, and and kill them all. Kill them all for what they did to us, attacking our country. That's the reaction that pretty much everybody has when when there's a terrorist attack committed by a foreigner, right? You know, uh, we have to do something. We have to do something. Everybody's like, we have to do something. We, we can't just sit back and let them attack us. We can't just take it. We can't just bend over and let them fly planes into our buildings. They attacked America. We have to do something. <laughs> well, think about it. That's the exact same reaction that they have when one of our drones bombs, uh, uh, completely destroys a school, or blows up a school bus, kills a bunch of kids. You don't think they're thinking, well, we have to do something? You don't think they have that same visceral reaction that you do when you get attacked? It's just that their something and our something are different. Our something, well, well, we can just send in our military, a bunch of young kids who have been propagandized by the government or poor people who have been bribed to, to signing up for the military to go and do something over there, to go get them back on our behalf. We They don't have that luxury, okay? And make no mistake about it, it is a luxury. It is a luxury to not have to go fight your own battles. All these pussy politicians over there, do you think they'd be so, so anxious to go bomb third world countries or troops on the ground, you know, the John McCains of the world, if they actually had to go fight? I guess John McCain's a bad example of that because he actually technically did, but... You think all these politicians who are so gung-ho about war, or even the talking heads like the Ben Shapiros of the world that support all this military intervention, you think they'd be so quick to do so if they actually had to pick up a rifle and go over there? It's absolutely a luxury. And, they, and, and people in the Middle East don't have that. They're something. All they can do is strap a bomb to their chest and walk into a crowded area. But it's the same reaction. It's the same human response. How people don't understand this is, is beyond me. It's absolutely ridiculous that we haven't figured this out. And here we are, 18 years later, we're still mired in the same conflicts from 2002. There are kids. There are kids fighting in these wars who were who were babies when this was going on. Do we have anything to show for it? Do we even know, uh, does, does ISIS have more or less territory now than when, when we started? Well, well, they have more, okay. Um, do we even know what victory looks like? Of course not. What, what are we doing? What are we doing over there? War on terror? Could that be more vague? Could that be more vague? The government loves to do this. They They love to fight these ill-defined, vague wars because then... They have no end, okay? The war on terror will go on in perpetuity unless we put a stop to it. It's like the war on drugs or the war on poverty. These, these are wars that, that the government fights and loses, first of all. They will never win these wars. They always lose them, but they'll never end. Uh, tell me, how are you going to rid the world of poverty? How are you going to rid the world of terrorism? This is all nonsense. That this is all nonsense that they use to expand their power, to make sure that they will always have a a reason to intervene. How do you even define terrorism? Well, it could mean anything the government wants it to mean, and then they can intervene. And they can claim more power and authority, that they need more money for this, more money for that. And there's no end to any of this. There's no end in sight. Donald Trump just mentions having a meeting with the Taliban to maybe try to put an end to this war in Afghanistan. What happens? Outrage culture. Outrage culture steps in. All the political bullshit. Oh, you're going to have a meeting with the Taliban the week of 9-11? Oh, how dare you? How dare you? Yeah, that's the real outrage here. That's the real outrage. That he would have the gall to meet with the Taliban on the week of (laughs) 9-11. The week of 9-11 now we're, we're I guess we're giving it a whole week now to mourn uh, the events of nine eleven but that's the outrage here, not the fact that we have the longest war in American history going on for no goddamn reason. How about getting outraged about that? I mean, if we can't put an end to that, uh, what can we put an end to? What chance do we have? What chance do we have of ever reigning in this beast, this leviathan i mean th- what are we doing over there? What is the point of all this? And what do we think we can accomplish now with a shell uh, with a fraction of the troops that we've had, you know, since the high point of this war, I don't know, would do we have a couple hundred thousand troops over there? What are we going to accomplish now with 10,000 troops, or whatever the number is? A tenth of what we had? We couldn't win it with, uh, with 200,000. We're going to win it with 10,000, Whatever winning is which nobody can even tell me. This is a disaster. This is all a disaster. And it's all tied back to that one fateful day. So when you take a moment to reflect on the events of 9-11, make sure you're learning the proper lessons from that horrific day. Make sure you never forget the real lessons of 9-11, that the government will never let a crisis go to waste, That arming a bunch of rebel groups in the the Middle East or some sandbox halfway around the world in a pathetic attempt to induce some sort of desired geopolitical outcome is a horrible idea. A horrible idea. And that failure on your part to do so, failure to comprehend the right lessons of history, failure to control your emotions and to think rationally, Failure to always be skeptical of your government and to keep them in check can and will drastically change your way of life and the lives of millions of other people, and it's never going to be for the better. Guys, if you like the show today, do me a favor and share it with a couple people you know. I know there is no shortage of people out there who need to hear what I have to say, so don't be selfish, okay? Don't, don't keep me all to yourself, Go ahead and share the show. Make sure you download and subscribe. Follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. If you want access to the world's best meme folder, and I don't say that lightly, I have the best meme folder on the planet. You have to follow me on Twitter. Instagram's a close second, but Twitter is, is where I drop most of my memes. And if you want to support the show and our message monetarily, you can always go to our website, peddlingfictionpodcast.com. Every dollar that you donate goes right back in to the show to make sure I can deliver as much content as possible and increase our reach. And if you can do all that for me, I promise that I will be back to tell it like it is, to speak the hard truths, and until then... Just remember to keep on paddling that so-called fiction. Peace.